welcome to the Destiny Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. Well, my name is Anne, and I'm the wife of uh, Roy, and uh, we've got 11 children. I'm just giving you a rundown of who we are. Um, uh, two of my children are in heaven, um, which probably mentioned later on. Uh, one went, she, uh, Ruth went when she was whew, uh, 38, I think she was. And our Danny went when he was 35. So, but they're all right. They're fine. Uh, we were, Roy and I were bought, brought up in Assemblies of God. Yeah. And we, it, although at that time it was very free and uh, everyone used to think we were cultish, AOG cultish, but they did at that time. Um, but it was an amazing church for me. Absolutely amazing. Gave me a firm foundation because I came from a dysfunctional family and went looking for a church and found this church in a place called Radcliffe. And they were like mums and dads to me. They really looked after me. And I, I gave my life to Jesus and got filled with the Holy Spirit and, it, it, you know, loved Jesus like, just loved him with a passion. But I weren't too keen on God because um, we were kind of taught, if you kind of stepped out of line or did something wrong, that he would, like, beat on you, yeah? Um, and to be a closed heaven, you wouldn't be able, he wouldn't hear you because you'd done something wrong. So I was very, very fearful of God. And, and, and really, all my t- teaching, I, it's not really teaching as much as it's encouraging you and exhorting you with some real live amazing stories that's happened. I mean, I'm 73, so I've had a lot happen in my life, yeah? Um, and some, uh, some of it brilliant, some of it not good, but God helps you to deal with stuff. Um, but God was like, oh gosh, I couldn't, I couldn't be handling him. I couldn't, he frightened me. So all this, what I'm teaching you, is kind of my journey from not knowing this God to absolutely adoring him. So I will refer to him, because I don't even like the word God. And at my age, I can do that if I want. He is dad, because us from Lancashire, the place where I've been brought up, the best term of endearment, which Abba means, is dad. So he's now my dad. And and I've got to say this, he really loves me. I'm his number one girl. I really am. Glory. And if I shake a bit, don't worry, it's just, it's just Holy Spirit. Whoa. <laughs> so, um, we were brought up in this this religion and we came from dysfunctional homes, both Roy and I, and Roy is my second husband, my first husband, I married a guy from church and we had four children, but it, it didn't turn out well at all and I'm not even going there, God bless him, I love him to bits now, but it weren't very good so we got divorced and, and Roy was in my life and we've been together now for 40 years in June. 
I know, amazing. And he's the best thing that ever happened to me. He's just... And he's my toy boy as well. Do you know what a toy boy is? Do you know? <laughs> you do, don't you, Andy? He's 16 and a half years younger than me. But if you look at him, I look younger. I'm joking. But he, he is an amazing, amazing man. Um, so today, things are different today. Today, I, uh, whoa, I just get drunk on this amazing love of daddy because it's so changed my life. And I make no apologies for what I'm going to speak to you about today because five years, I think it's five years ago, I read this book by um, C. Baxter Kruger. Have you read any of his yet? Oh, brilliant. Well, this is just a taster, right? C. Baxter Kruger. God used this man and his writings to change my whole life. Anyway, long story short, Roy became a pastor, which is a testimony on its own. And we pastored a church in Cheetah Mill, and that is a place full of gang warfare and drugs, and re it's really bad, and it's even worse now. But God called us into Cheetah Mill, and we pastored a church there, and we saw amazing things happen. We saw the, a blind lady get a sight back. We saw a, a man come all the way from Australia with a frozen shoulder, which is not a good thing. And he got totally healed, plus his spine. There were some amazing, we saw drug addicts, completely lives changed, all because of Jesus, yeah, all because of him. And um, I had four children from my first marriage, and then Roy and I had a little girl called Zoe, who is a beautiful person, a, a great mother. And... Um, and then we ended up adopting, fostering, and then adopting all the rest of them. We now at home we have six children. We have four teenage boys. Hallelujah, and two <laughs> and two special needs girls. One Esther Ruth in a wheelchair with cerebral palsy, and Millie who was very very badly sexually abused as as a young kid. Um, I don't have I put this on. Yes. It's on. Um, but they're amazing. These two girls are just amazing. Esther Ruth is a worshipper. She she misses so much because we're not here at the moment. We're just God's doing some stuff with us. Uh, but she is just a worshipper, and at home she will just put her music on and she'll be gone, and she, her arms will be out, and she just loves Jesus so much. So it's the four boys. They've just going their own way, making mistakes that you wish they wouldn't make and that you want to stop. And but I was reading through the prodigal son, what's called the prodigal son, the uh, the other night, and uh, God says to me, um, "I want I want you to look at something. I want to show you something." And He showed me something in Luke, which I'm going to share with you after, because if you've not got children or you've got children. There, there's some things that we learn as we as we get older, and just some little bit of advice I want to give you. What I've seen in this wonderful, um, wonderful, wonderful chapter. So this, what I'm going to teach you today, is 
an absolute reality in my life, right? And it's a prodigal son, which will be changed later on to something else, which I'll show you. So, have you ever met anyone who longed for rejection? No, I'm sure you haven't. We all hate rejection. And we hate rejection because it hurts. And it hurts in a way that few other things hurt us. Now, for instance, um, you'll read this. This is Baxter Kruger's. Imagine a, a little girl, 10-year-old. It's snowy and icy. She slips on the ice and she breaks a leg, ends up at hospital. She's in a lot of pain. They give her... Uh, injections, take the pain away and then they plaster it and then she goes back to school and she's like showing off this leg, you know, do you want to write on my leg, you know um, and, and it's fine the pain was sorted and now she's bragging imagine that same girl coming home from school on a bus with her, with her best friend and some other friends and her best friend showing her up making her look small in front of other people and it she it hurts so much she goes home and she's in tears sobbing goes to a bedroom her mother can't comfort her she she just doesn't want to know she just locks her bedroom door because she's feeling this rejection by a very very best friend who she thought would never let her down now then this is what rejection does it changes us. It makes us guarded. It makes us suspicious of everyone. It makes us that we can't trust anyone. You know, um, I don't think there's anyone on earth that hasn't had feeling this rejection. It's, it's so painful. And do you know why it's so painful? Because we weren't made for rejection. Dad made us for acceptance. You know, a, a fish is swimming around its bowl, happy as Larry. But you take that fish out of that water, and I'll tell you what, that fish is not happy. It needs to be in its environment. And that's the same with us. If we take on this rejection, it just makes us so hurt and and the things i've said don't trust anyone we're suspicious of everyone's motives uh, and it's not comfortable and it's because we were not wired that way dad wired us to be accepted to be loved on as we are not when we attain well maybe when i'm a Maybe when I'm a pastor or maybe when I'm in the worship band or maybe if I get this job in the office, uh, they'll accept. No, no, no. With Dad, we're accepted just, just as we are. Now, the, the problem is that Satan knows how we are made. He's well aware of how we're made. He is the rejection specialist and his most <coughs> pervasive trick is to tamper with our understanding of God or dad. I probably I say God because if it were dad you, it wouldn't be, you wouldn't even entertain it. 
but he tampers with our understanding and he tries to tell us that, oh, he's rejected you, he's got no time for you, he doesn't even like you and he doesn't even want you in his family. And you know what? We take that on board. The game of life is up because depression, anxiety, turning to other things, to, you know, cutting yourself and drugs and alcohol and you, you, to t take away that pain. It shuts down our freedom to live. Now, I'll just interject here with um, a story of, a true story. My eldest daughter is called Ruth. Ruth was an amazing woman. She used to, she had her own children. She used to foster loads of children. At one time, she had 12 children in her house fostering them, and you're only allowed four. But they just kept coming, social services. Oh, can you put this one in? Can you? She had the biggest heart of gold. And she got this little baby. He was about nine months old. He was a lovely little kid. And he wasn't going back home to his mum and dad. And so she said she wanted to adopt this little boy. And they, they said, oh, yeah, sure, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get everything rolling and we'll, we'll put this forward and try, we'll get you this little boy. And uh, time went on and they rejected her. This woman who fostered and still fostered at this particular time found a couple who had no children and, they, and she, she was devastated because they'd fallen in love and, and I know how that feels um, because um, we were adopting three brothers and uh, the court, uh, the social services, oh, there'll be no problem, we'll get this through court. But they gave the children back to the mother and it was, it just, well, it was devastating, absolutely devastating. But we worked with mum and dad to try and get them Anyway, they were with the mum and dad two weeks and they beat them up, so they ended back with us and then we adopted them. So, but it is a painful thing, thinking that you're going to protect... Because we knew the lifestyle. The dad was alcoholic and mum was too young to, to mother. She, she just wasn't mothered herself, so she, she, she had big problems there, you know. So she, my daughter um, turned to drink and... Um, Five years of drinking and detoxing and drinking and detoxing. And in the end, my daughter died of, of alcoholic poisoning. All her organs shut down and it was horrendous. And that was because, she, the start of it, because she was rejected. To her. And she really felt this was wrong because she'd done so much for them. It was like a... She really wanted this baby, and it ended up. So rejection has really bad consequences. Kills people. Gets them... Well, it, well, you know the stories. You, you know them. You read the papers. You watch the telly. It, it's, it, now we've got all these footballers. I don't know whether you know that on the way here. All these footballers have been abused by the coaches famous ones are now going to court and SPCC of all these people are phoning in and the three of them are big names from big teams abuse and they've carried that abuse and the pains that they've gone through you know it's it's sad isn't it it's it's, it's really really sad but just don't get down because we have a great 
father, okay? We have a wonderful father. And Jesus knows all about the power of acceptance. He was, can you imagine Jesus? He's, he, he, he sat down with the prostitutes, the sinner, you know, the, the burglar, the drug addict. Nothing, we're nothing, nothing's ever different. It was just the same then as it is now. And these religious people saying, what are you doing? You're this prophet. You're holy. What are you doing sitting with these? And you know what? He couldn't accept that. Jesus, it must have like, you know, because you know what? Jesus only did what he saw the father doing. So I tell you, father, dad was no different. Fa you know what I, I like to say? Like father, like son. Glory. Yeah? Andy. You're like your father. You're his son. Yeah? Even with our misgivings and our little flaws and religiosity, whatever, you are loved as you are. And you're on your individual journeys. And you'll get some knocks and you'll get some highs and you get some lows, but he'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you. So Jesus' light was a gasp that... These religious people who should know better knew nothing about Father at all. Didn't know him at all. So I, I'm just going to read because I absolutely love to read this. Um, this parable. And, and I'm reading from... Um, it's only a short read. But I'm reading it from Luke 15 and it's the message by, uh, translation, I love the message I love all the translations because they all bring something special out don't they, I haven't got a favourite and then Je this is Jesus speaking, he says, then he said there was once a man who had two sons and the younger said to his father father I won't right now what's coming to me I'd probably give him a thick ear and say, you'll have to wait. <laughs> but the father, so the father divided the property between them and it wasn't long before the youngest son packed his bags and left for a distant country. And there, undisciplined and dissipated, he wasted everything he had. After he'd gone through all his money, there was a bad famine all through that country and he began to hurt. He signed up on with a citizen there who assigned him to his fields to slop the pigs. He was so hungry he would have eaten the corn cobs in the pig slop, but no one would give him any. That brought him to his senses and he said, All those farmhands working for my father sit down to three meals a day and here I am starving to death. I'm going back to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you, and I don't deserve to be called your son. Take me on as a hired hand. He got right up and went home to his father. When he was still a long way off, his father saw him. His heart pounding, he ran out, embraced him, and kissed him. And the son started his speech. 
Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. But the father wasn't listening. Yes. He was calling to the servants, quick, bring a clean set of clothes and dress him. Put the family ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And then get a grain-fed heifer and roast it, or heifer, sorry. We're going to the feast. We're going to have a wonderful time. My son is here, given up for dead and now alive, given up for lost and now he's found. And they began to have a wonderful time. All this time his older son was out in the field. And when this day's work was done, he came in. And as he approached the house, he heard the music and dancing. And he, call in, he called over one of the houseboys and he said, what's going on? He told him, your brother came home and your father's ordered a feast, barbecued beef, because he has him home safe and sound. The older brother stalked off in an angry sulk and refused to join in. His father came out and tried to talk to him, but he wouldn't listen. And the son said, Look how many years I've stayed here serving you, never giving you one moment of grief. But have you ever thrown a party for me and my friends? Then this son of yours, who's thrown away your money on whores, shows up and you go out and give him a feast. And his father said, son, you don't understand. You're with me all the time and everything that is mine is yours. But this is a wonderful time, and we had to celebrate. The brother of yours was dead, and he's alive. He was lost, and he's found. Brilliant, brilliant story, isn't it? Okay, the people call this, and I still call it that myself sometimes, the parable of the prodigal son. But Baxter Kruger beautifully puts it, the parable of the dancing God. And I'll tell you why, because the wayward son comes first, his story, and it's very real and very moving. And most of us can relate immediately to that story, perhaps with our own lives or some lives of others. Um, and the older son takes centre stage. And if we were focusing on this son, the title of the parable would be something like The Parable of the Blind Son or the parable of missing the point. But this story is about the prodigal. It's not just about him or the blind son. It's all about the father. He is the central figure. And Jesus is using his father, uh, this father, sorry, and his relationship with his two sons to reveal to us the shocking truth about God. And the story about God is actually what he's like. How does God think? How does God act towards us? And it's about the Father's heart and joy. It's the story of God, we can believe, a parable of the dancing sun. Jesus picks the worst person he can possibly find and he has God running, running to him running after him. This pitiful excuse for a son, Jesus tells us, is the object of the father's intense loving and passion and affection. Oh gosh, 
I think that is amazing. He's the object of the father's care and no strings attached forgiveness. Jesus paints this picture and I love this picture. And it's like the father looking over the balcony of heaven, waiting for his son to come. And as soon as he, 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 he sees him just on the horizon, he runs after him and he throws his arms around him and loves him. You know what? To me, ten years ago, that would like be an impossibility. I was completely striving and striving to get in Dad's good books or God's good books. But this is a picture. This is a picture. When he, I don't think there's a better statement in the Bible than this, that when he was a long way off, his, his father saw him, his heart pounding, he ran out, embraced him and kissed him. And this is what Jesus was trying to show the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the, you know, all the religious people and especially the, those who were in poverty, uh, who were under the dictatorship or under the condemnation of these religious people, uh, condemning them for every, everything they did. You know, how could they ever get anywhere near these religious people who were actually not very good at all, made their own rules up as they went ahead. So... Jesus said, if they could only meet him, if they could only know him. And that was a message he came. Because we'd been estranged from Father God. We, it, it, you know, that, that's why Jesus came, was to show us the Father what he's really like. Because Jesus came straight from the Father's presence. He knew exactly what he was like. Full of love, full of compassion. If only they could meet him, it would change everything. But these whole Jewish theologies uh, hated the fact that Jesus received these sinners and they, well, we read in the Gospels, don't they, that many a time, what are you doing sitting here with this lot? Do you know? Do you know him? Do you know her? Do you know what she's done? Do you know what he's done? Do you know, and, and Jesus was like, it's love. It's all about love. You know, people... And I can mention this, paedophiles and drug users of any kind, alcohol or whatever, they don't, they're not born that way. They, they, they're brought to that place through some bad things that are done to them. You know, um, the lives that, you know, the genealogy that... that the passed down things, like, you know, like my uh, three of my boys, mum and dad, like dad was an alcoholic because his dad was an alcoholic who ran a pub. And uh, mum, uh, the, the boy's mum, was in the state she was because she, she hadn't been mothered. She'd not had a father, um, a, young, a young little brother got killed running over the road to her. Her elder brother um, of 16 was murdered. You know, they, they don't come. We must never condemn anyone. 
because it's the grace of God that we're not in that position ourselves, yeah. And we are that light. We are that love. We are, we carry his love in our hearts, which, you know, just overflows because God so loved and Boz, Ophelia, Andy, Jonas, but he didn't love Brian and he didn't love Leanne and he didn't love Daniel and he didn't love Ruth. That's not him at all. For God so loved the world. That has never changed and that never will change. God is loving and compassionate and he's a true, true father. Whoa. Let me lose where I'm up to. Uh, so these parables that Jesus is speaking are like an, a direct assault, an all-and-out frontal attack on the Pharisees' perverted idea of God. They think that God is a bookkeeper, He's keeping the lists and he's checking it to see who is naughty or nice. A bit like Christmas, Father Christmas, isn't it? If you're not good, you're not going to get anything for Father Christmas. <laughs> no, they think there's, there's no chance for them. But you know what? The truth is that God is a father and he's always been a father because Jesus has always, always been there. He's always been the son, always been there. So Jesus has God embracing these failures. Jesus, the Father's true Son, who dwells in the bosom of the Father and who knows the Father inside and out, and that's what he's doing. He's throwing them a theological curveball um, and he's turning it on its head. So instead of bootkeeping, list-checking, Jesus confronts them with a picture of God who dances in sheer joy at the sight of a failure coming home. Now, don't make um, a mark in the sand and think that, well, he'll only be a father once he starts coming home. No. no. That, Rosie, your husband is a great dad, yeah? He's a great dad to his kids. Uh, some of us have had really good fathers. Some of us have not very good fathers. I didn't have a good father. I had an abusive father and an abusive mother. But you know what? They were abused by their father and mother. It was just that thing that happens. Thank the Lord the mould is broke because Jesus shows us a better way to live. Um, I've got uh, four, so uh, four adopted sons. One of those sons is is actually my grandson, right? My, my other son who is in heaven, Daniel. It's his child and um, we adopted Adam and Adam is a handful. He is a handful. Um, and I'm, I'm just going to sh show you this from an earthly point of view of a father. He'd done some bad things as Adam and one of the things was so bad that we had to... We had to call the police and ask for their advice and they came to the house and uh, they talked with, because with, he's an accomplished musician, my son Adam. He, is, he can pick any instrument up. He's brilliant and he has grade seven in, he's a flautist, yeah. 
can never say that word, plays a flute, yeah? So he's very accomplished. But the way he was going was like, he was really going downhill fast. And you can bring your children up in the Lord, but they still have their own decisions to make. And that's what I wanted to point out. Do you remember from the reading when the son said, I want right now what's mine? No. Did the father argue with him? No. Right away. Okay. And he divided and he gave. I hadn't seen that till the other day. Because I said, read it again, I want to show you something. <coughs> and I thought, because, you know, I come from a very controlling family. My mother was a controller. And I, I've been a controller, yeah? I know what's best for my children and what I say goes, yeah? That, that's how we were brought up. And my boys were going to go to a college. And at that time, Loretto, this college, was the best. And I pushed my, two of my sons, you've got to go to this college. It's going to give you this. You're going to get your music lessons free. It's going to be so good that they're Oxford and Cambridge standard, you know. Everyone, you know, there's always a, a big bunch of them go to Oxford and Cambridge. But no, come with us and let and let's and the boys succumbed, and it was the worst twelve months of their life. They absolutely hated it. And God spoke to me, and He says, "You have to let these kids make their own decisions, even if they make some wrong ones. Because as a parent, we want them to make the right decisions, don't? Because we made mistakes. We don't want them to make mistakes, do we? So we try our best. So um, they went to a different college the next year. And I tell you what, they are thriving. Absolutely thriving. Absolutely love it. My, my redhead, who was the most introvert, most damaged of all the kids, yeah, would hide behind me and Roy, wouldn't be able to look a woman in the face. He's, he's now uh, got a distinction star in theatre and production, and all he wants to do is to act. Uh, uh, I don't think worth it. It's so different, you know. So you have to let them do. That's just a bit of advice for when you get kids or if you've got children. When they get to a certain age, we have to direct them as little ones, obviously but they have to make decisions for themselves. Anyway, this, my son Adam, we got the police in, uh, we talked to the police beforehand and said, just, cause his dad, you know, my son Daniel went, he was a drug addict, my son, and he went way, way on the wrong rails and we were getting full of fear that this was going to happen to our Adam. So the police came and they went in the family room and they sat him down and talked to him on his own and said, you know, once, you're, once you make a mistake, he'd stolen some money, you see, but it was from in the house, it was from us, or someone in the house. And we didn't want him going, because once you do it out there, your name goes on the list, and, and you, your fingerprints are taken, and it, it's not good, is it? It doesn't get your jobs and all this stuff. So he had a good talk to him. And he was great for a while, really, really, really impressed him. And we felt really good about what we'd done. And then about six, seven months later, something else happened again. Same kind of thing, in-house again. 
Um, so, so bad we had to put a lock on our bedroom door and keep everything that was anything in there. And he'd done it again. So Roy and I sat down and we said, Lord, we need your wisdom, what do we do? And, and then we left it. And then I was having my time upstairs. With, with, with the, when I get up in the morning, that's what I like to do. And I heard the Lord say, don't punish him. Do the complete opposite. So I came downstairs and I said, I said I've just been talking to the Lord, Roy, and he said, don't get the police involved. Don't punish him. Don't ground him. But just love him. And he said, you know what? That's right. He said, you know what I'm going to do, Aunt? That's what he said. I'm going to take him bowling and I'm going to take him for a meal. But I'm not going to tell him. So, so when he came home, his dad says to him, right, Adam, go and get a shower. We're going out. And, and this was like the day after he'd done this thing, you see. Stolen this money. And um, so the day after, uh, sorry, he went up and had a shower and we didn't know. It, we, Roy thought he was just going to surprise him. So they get in the car and they're on the way to the Trafford Centre. You know the Trafford Centre, yeah? And um, Adam says, where, where are we going? He said, I'm not telling you, Adam. You take him at police station, aren't you? And he said, Roy said, I thought, no, I'm not taking you to police station. And God says to him, tell him now. He says, no, me and you, we're going out, we're going out, going blood bowling, and we're going to have a real good time. But I thought, I thought you were going to take me, please, I thought you were going to punch me, I thought. And he burst out in tears and said, I'm so, so, so sorry. See the difference? See the difference in, you know, it's the father's love. Now, if an earthly father, because... When you've got kids, I tell you what, you need the wisdom of God. You really do. Every step of the way. And your mums and dads and mine did as well, although they didn't ask him. But the church got me through that. Bless them. But that's the way. Love will always uh, bear fruit. Uh, I was looking on Facebook the other day, and you probably saw if you're on Facebook... And it had the prisons in England and the prisons in Norway. Did anyone see that? That was so good. That was so good. Uh, uh, not in, in America, the prisons in America it was, not in England and Norway. And uh, it showed that what, uh, 78% in America go back to prison because they're treated like they're not human. Yeah, they're treated really, really bad. In Norway, they have a suite of three rooms. They call them cells. They have a kitchen, they have a bedroom, they have a, like a, a meeting place. I think there's about three in these cells. And they retrain them to do jobs on the outside. Only 28% of those go back into prison. Doesn't it just show you, if you do something good with the lives, if you believe in them, and, and it was saying about the atmosphere and the prison was just, I mean, they were paying for it because they were taken away from the families and blah, blah. Yeah? But they rehabilitated them. And only 28% went back. I think that is amazing. Well, I'll tell you what. If, they, if my sins were all lined up and some are mega, 
you know, and I, it was the God who I used to think God was like, I would be dead now. I would be dead because I'd have gone overboard with that because I was virgin alcohol at one time in my life. I would have been good, probably dead. But thank the Holy Spirit for revealing the truth about what a real dad is. Because I'll be speaking tomorrow and I'll be speaking on something re what really used to nag at me. And that was on, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why does a father forsake his son? That don't make sense in what I know now. That is really good. Don't miss that. Uh, pardon? Tomorrow, you said. Yeah? Where? Here. I'm down here for tomorrow, am I not? It is next week as well, but I'm supposed to be doing tomorrow as well. And I did ask Rebecca, I did ask her when she said, are you ready for tomorrow? I said, uh, for Thursday. I said, yeah, I am. Here's the times, because you know I am. I, get, I can come at wrong day, wrong time. You know I'm like it. Uh, and, and she didn't reply back. So you'll have to get this off the recording. <laughs> well, if I'm not here tomorrow, it doesn't matter. When I'm here next time. It's no big deal, is it? Flipping neck. Okay. <laughs> so that really affected Adam. You know, um, we do pray for Adam a lot because Adam has a lot, a lot of issues because his mother has got in contact with him, his birth mother, and it's not been good. It's really messed him up, really messed him up. But do you know what? You've got to trust Dad with him. I don't panic anymore. I don't lose sleep anymore. You know what I do? I hug him and I kiss him and I say how proud I have of him, of him, yeah? Because that I am. I love him. And love is the biggest thing. If I keep banging him on the head, well, oh, you've not done your bedroom. You've, you know, it's just like, oh, she's at it again. And nothing goes in. But love does. Love will always win the day. But if our earthly father loves us that way, how much more the creator of us, yeah? We're made for acceptance. We're not made to go to war. You know, I was looking at something the other day, my, my young grandson is in the army, he's on phase two, and he's, he's absolutely loving it, and, and, and I'm reading all this stuff, you know, old soldiers on the streets, nowhere to live, and all that, I think, oh, how bad is that, how bad is that? And I'm thinking, we're not made to fight, are we? We're not made for war. We're made to love. We're not made for smoking. We're not made for alcohol. Yeah, no, 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 it's all right. And I do, I have a, a glass of wine. But we're not, we're not made for all that. Getting lung and all that. We're, that's not how God made us. We're made to be loved. We're made for acceptance. We're made to show love to those who, who don't know. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, where am I? So this story, this parable, it's not about a list-keeping father. It's about a father full of love and Jesus who finished the work and showed us what love is all about and what a real father he is. So it's about a son who is and remains a son, 
because he has a father who is and remains a father. Stories about a sinner coming home and encountering the truth that he has a home, he has a father and he has an inheritance. You are loved. Nothing and no one can ever take that away from you, yeah? If you listen to that creep who is actually the sticky bit under your foot, if you listen to him, and we do sometimes, remember, first and foremost, he is a liar and he is a deceiver and there is no truth in him at all, yeah? So when he comes with these thoughts... You're, you're rubbish, aren't you? You've really messed up now, haven't you? You think you're going to be... How many times have you made this mistake? Want to, and yeah, just tell him to go, like Jesus. The actual uh, Aramaic saying is, get lost, Satan. Do you know that? That is the strongest Aramaic saying is, get lost or do one, Satan. He has no part in you whatsoever. I used to wake up every morning and think, oh, what's he got in store for me today? What's he going to do to me today? I don't even give him a... That's like when I read this, when I do this story, this parable. He has no part in my life at all. If I mess up, you know what? Go to my dad. And you know what? My dad hugs me and kisses me and gives me his wisdom in how to not do it again, or if I do it again, oh, I don't matter, and come on, love, we'll get there in the end. He is so, that's how a dad is. That's how the father of life and all creation is. He understands us, oh, my husband doesn't understand me. Well, tough, it don't matter. Dad understands you, and he's the one who'll change you. He's the one, you know, I spent years and years trying to change my Roy. Years and years, oh, he doesn't read his Bible enough. Oh, he doesn't do this, you know, he doesn't do that. And then when I came into the grace and te about 10 years ago it started, you know what? My husband, I love him to life, but he's not my responsibility, he's dad's responsibility. And life has been so sweet since, honestly. Don't try and change them. It's dad's, they're on their own journey, just like we are on ours. Okay, so we have a great dad. Amazing dad. <laughs> right, so this son is lost in the far country and he's in tears, he's miserable and he knows to the root of his soul that he has failed. He spent all his disinheritance, what his dad's worked so hard for and he spent it on drugs, women, whatever. He spent the whole lot and he ends up and he's so embarrassed, he's haunted by embarrassment and he feels so helpless and he can't undo the wrong that he's done. All he can say is, oh, my father, oh, my father, been there. I've sinned against heaven, I've sinned against you and I'm no long, longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one as your hired men. And this is what he's thinking, I'm going to go home. And I'm going, to, I'm going to speak this to my dad. And he actually doesn't know what he's saying. Because in his spirit he's saying, I'm going back to my father. And he doesn't get the message. doesn't get it. Out of his own mouth comes this truth. That he has a father. 
and it's a solid rock firm. His father is his father. And then, and if you've got kids, or you may have done it yourself, he says, maybe I can earn a place by a repentant speech. Maybe I can do it that way, you know, manipulating. I, kids can manipulate you, you know. I know when my Adam wants something, would you like a cup of tea, Mum? Shall I get you a biscuit with that? <laughs> I say, what's coming, Adam? What do you want, Adam? Well, I was just wondering. <laughs> so, but I laugh inside because I know, you know it's all right, it's okay. So he is saying, if I said this to me, Dad, if I go home and said, you know, <laughs> but you know what? His father is his father. What hits this son right between the eyes is the fact that he can't change his father's heart. His father doesn't love him for what he does. His father doesn't stop loving him because he's rebelled and miserably failed. His father is his father no matter what. He is and remains the beloved son. Whoa, I told you I was his favourite, didn't I? Because his father is and remains his father. And he's your father no matter what. And here he is thinking, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this to him. So he thinks, well, I've, although I've rebelliously lost all this, maybe if I mourn um, and I, I become humble and be religious, that he just might forgive me. And this is what he's doing. He's putting on religion. Fits it. For that time. And he thinks, I'm going to try and pull on my dad's compassion. But how amazing that, oh, that he doesn't even get to open his mouth. I love this. He looks up and he sees his father running. He freezes in his tracks and the next thing he knows is completely covered by father. All he feels is his father's embrace and kiss and all he sees is his father dancing with joy. And this is the parable. It's all about dad and how he relates to us as we are. Big mess up or no big mess up. He loves us. He dances with us. You know, we used to have, um, in the old building before we came here, we used to have adventure nights. And uh, we'd put some nice music on and we'd just lie down and we, we would just soak. And Joe used to run them from church here. She's a lovely lady. And we used to... We used to go to, God used to take us to different places. And, you know, we said, Lord, just come and show me whatever, you know. I once went to Russia. Whoa. And, uh, and in Russia, <laughs> I saw this very, 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 very old man. And he was so sad and he was right rocking like, you know, like the Jews at the Wailing Wall, like this. So sad in his heart, you know. And, I, and God gave me a message to give to him. Don't worry, it's going to be fine. Just keep looking up, keep looking up. It's going to be fine. And that rate came back. 
uh, out of that vision or whatever. But and it was lovely. It, it, it encouraged my heart. But this is the one. Um, we got this music on, and suddenly I see this big white horse. And uh, God's there, Dad's there, and he's saying, come on, Anne, get on. <sighs> oh, gosh, no, I can't do that. I can't get on that horse. Come on, it'd be wonderful. No, it was like, really, I just felt, not fear, but like a, like a, like a, a godly fear that that I wasn't worthy to get on this horse, so, so I, I didn't. Anyway, a few weeks went by and we had another one of these meetings and we had the music and lay down. And suddenly this white horse is there again, but this time it's cartoon form. You know, like um, Disney, Disney characters. And so this white horse is a Disney character and God is a Disney character. And I'm a little girl, like, not Alice, um, but one of the Disney characters. And, come on, Al, let's go for adventure. No problem. Jumped on the horse, went all around the galaxy, sat by a gypsy campfire, and he was hugging me and loving me. And it was amazing. I never felt such love, you know, such tangible, whoa, love. And... Uh, and we got, he said, we've got to go now and get back on the horse and all around the galaxy and the stars. He showed me all sorts of things and then brought me back home. And then I, I came out of the vision and it was like, I was just weeping with joy because I really felt tangible dad's love, you know. And I needed to at that time. No one knew, but I needed to at that time. And that's when he always shows up in big, big time, I mean, there's some stories I'll tell you later on. Big time. It was absolutely wonderful. But it was a dad's love. I'd never been cuddled by a dad in all my life. Not even my real dad or my stepdad. I'd never had a cuddle off my dad. And it felt really good. And I felt right, um, you know, like secure and uh, warm and protected, you know, it was very, 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 very precious. That's what my dad's like. And the stories I'm going to tell you, you'll, you'll, you'll see that in the time to come. So he said, right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to say, I'm sorry. But he wasn't listening. He hugged him. He said, go and get... And he's not letting go of him. Go and get the ring. Go and get the, the cloak. Get the best heifer. I think that's the word. Big cow, big massive cow, and let's barbecue it. We're going to have a feast. He wasn't bothered that his inheritance had gone. It didn't matter. In fact, he gave it him back. He gave him the ring of authority. He, he didn't look at it, and that's what he's like. Whoa, that's amazing, isn't it? Loved. Unconditional love. And as a mother, and I love being a mother, I know that's what it's like, even though at times it's like, ooh, you know, smoke coming out of my ears, because I do get stressed sometimes. But it, love will always rule the, rule the day. We'll be saying, oh, Roy and I will sit down. Oh, what are we going to do? We're going to have to do this, and we're going to have to put that in place and that. And, and then when it comes to it, I just melt. I just, just melt. And, and sometimes I don't feel I'm a very disciplined mum. 
But you know what? Don't matter. If our kids know they're loved, that's what's important. And if you know you're loved by the best dad in the whole of creation, yeah, you know what? You won't condemn yourself when you step out of line, when you make a mistake, and when you get hurt by someone. You won't, you won't be overwhelming one to... Ooh, get, you'll just feel this compassion because you don't know where they're at. On the way here... Um, I was coming to the lights and there's two lanes at the lights and there's this car here and, you know, all the spirit is, a, is great to have in your car. Great anyway, great to have in your car. And I felt the Holy Spirit said, just keep back. And this driver came right in front of me, right? No indication, just pulled right in front of the lights. And I thought, I need to keep... And we got through the lights and she was all over the road. I can say she, because she turned to go in this golf club. And as I looked, she must have been about 120-year-old. Poor dear, I don't know how she's ever driving, bless her. But you know, God, Dad, is there. And if we listen, you know, and sometimes, you know, not, you know, you could say, oh, flipping, daft, so-and-so, what's she doing? Or what's he doing or whatever? But you just, you don't know. Maybe her husband's not falling ill at the golf club and she doesn't drive normally and she's gone in the car in trepidation, you know. You don't know the stories. And this is, this is real. We, you know, the people we come in contact, even, you know, any of us, even Becky, Becky could be having a really tough day. And, and it's hard for her. And you might think, oh, she's a little bit off today. Well, you don't know the reason why. And uh, so we must always give them a mile, you know, but love them. You understand me? Because life sucks sometimes, doesn't it? Life sucks. <laughs> yeah? But if we're there with this daddy's love in our heart, because his love... Oh, yes. He's shed abroad in our hearts by Holy Spirit. Isn't that wonderful? That we're carriers and we're containers of this Father love. I think that is amazing. Absolutely amazing. Glory to your name. And he wasn't listening. I love that part. <laughs> so, son, this isn't the opinion about yourself. It's not your worthiness. Uh, you've not been, you, you know, you may not feel worthy. It doesn't matter. It's all about his love for us. Thank you for listening to the Destiny podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.